1: Just how much of a terrorist target is the Bay Area?
0: Well, San Francisco, uh, the San Francisco Bay Area um, is as susceptible because of the number of potentially soft targets um, as there are in any major metropolitan area. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS
1: In-Depth our guest today on kcbs in depth is craig fair deputy special agent in charge of the FBI's san francisco field office which covers a wide swath of coastal california from monterey to the oregon border at the san francisco office agent fair has been responsible for the joint counterterrorism task force counterterrorism investigations operations and overarching counterterrorism strategy for northern california he now serves as the office's number two special agent Prior to his San Francisco tenure, Special Agent Fair worked out of Washington, D.C. He has been with the Bureau since 1996. With KCBS reporter and anchor Holly Kwan, I'm Jeff Bell. Welcome, Agent Fair. Thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Well, let's start by diving in a little more deeply into the terrorist threats that we face here in the Bay Area. What does it take for you and your office to keep us safe?
0: Well, we, our office receives well over a thousand um, allegations of potential acts of terror a year. Um, and we take, as we take all threats seriously, that is, um, it's a tax on the office in terms of resources because we have to get it right every time. Um, the majority of those allegations we are able to uh, wash out pretty quickly, um, typically, they uh, resolve within just a few days with an interview of, of the person with whom the allegation was levied against.
2: Before we get too far into terrorism, uh, we have to ask about the former FBI director, James Comey, whose book comes out in a couple days. The president is, was, has harsh words for him. The book is said to be a tell-all. You've met Mr. Comey. What's your impression?
0: Uh, I worked for uh, James Comey uh, for a period of time, uh, shortly after he took, uh, took office. Um, My experience, he's a man of character, integrity, um, honest. Um, I couldn't, couldn't say nicer things about the man.
2: To that extent, then how independent are you from Washington? Um, how much changes from administration to administration?
0: So in terms of our, in, I wouldn't want to say that we are independent from Washington. So my FBI headquarters on an annual basis we will put out kind of a priority list of what we consider to be the the highest threats, and they will rank those. It's up to each of the 56 field offices throughout the country to look at that list and determine and localize which of those threats pertain here. So my ranked order of threat priorities in the Bay Area is gonna look a little bit different than it does in Washington. And then that's up to the discretion of each of the field offices as to how we're gonna resource against those threats, how many bodies we're going to put up against it, how many agents and analysts will be dedicated um, to thwarting whatever threat that is.
1: I want to zero in on some of the issues that are really making news uh, vis-a-vis the FBI and federal law enforcement here in the Bay Area. One of them, of course, is immigration. Um, The FBI and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, very distinct federal entities I'm guessing the general public doesn't always know that. Do you get caught up in this debate sometimes?
0: Oh, we absolutely do. Um, you know, I think the general public has a difficult time discerning between agencies and their different responsibilities and authorities. For example, the FBI was given Title Eight immigration authorities from John Ashcroft back in 2002, but that's not our primary mission. And Although we do try to learn everything we can about the individuals that we are investigating, very, very rarely do we ever engage in immigration enforcement activities.
1: Talk a little bit about your relations with the community on on that front, Um, whether it's immigration or other issues. um, These are sort of contentious times that we're in right now, often with the public and law enforcement. Um, What is your office doing to help uh, the public understand just what it is you do?
0: Well, it is... um, we are shrouded in mystery um i like to think the bureau has two kind of distinct but overlapping missions at times we have a a criminal mission um where we have a criminal side of the house where we are looking at public corruption we're looking at violent gangs drugs but we also have a national security mission and everything we do in that national security mission is classified every word we speak everything that we write and rarely does that information ever make the light of day, um, and so naturally there's a mystery associated with that particular mission. And because of that, because of the information in those investigations isn't made public, um, the community is left there to they're just, they're, their perception of what we do is guided by the popular media, the national political narrative. Um, many times is not, does not provide an accurate appraisal of actually who we are, what our authorities are, and what strict guidelines that we have to go by um, during the course of our investigative duties on a daily basis.
2: I was going to say, this makes it tough to um, put a, a face on, on the FBI.
0: It absolutely does. Um, you know, I recall a meeting I had several weeks ago with a member of the Oakland City government. And he made a very poignant comment to me, which I feel it was a, a sentinel moment for me. And he said, the only time members of the public have contact with the FBI is when you're either interviewing us about a case or you are arresting us. And that was a moment I realized that we need to do a better job with outreach to all members of the community, whether that's faith-based based institutions, um, whether that is... Um, members of the Muslim community, of the Jewish community, and getting a face out there and humanizing ourselves. We get so focused on the day-to-day investigative mission that sometimes we overlook, that we need to get out and do a better job of community policing.
2: I was going to ask you, it sounds like community policing, but is there a big enough, um, do you have enough manpower to do that? I mean, even local police departments have difficulty trying to allocate resources to do that, but they know how important that part is to fostering better uh, communication with the people that they're serving.
0: It absolutely does. So in an absence of that, in an absence of contact with the community, um, there is almost a reflexive response on part of certain communities and a reluctance uh, to not cooperate with the FBI, um, where we will knock on somebody's door simply where they're not the subject, but we're trying to resolve resolve an allegation where there's a potential federal crime or a threat to national security. And there's this distrust and this, this fear, many times based on mis- misperception and lack of understanding, where they don't even want to talk to us.
1: Let's talk about your interplay with local law enforcement. As we mentioned in our lead-in, uh, you were in charge of the Joint Counterterrorism Task Force. Tell us more about that, how it works, what it aims to do.
0: So joint terrorism task forces exist throughout the FBI. There is roughly 104 JTTFs um, spread across uh, the continental US and that's comprised of, each one of those is comprised of federal, state, and local agencies. Those individuals uh, from police departments and state agencies are federally deputized. And they reside and are co-located with our FBI special agents and analysts and professional support throughout the field offices. The importance of having um, state and local participation on our Joint Terrorism Task Force is they, they know their communities, they know the people, and they bring a highly specialized skill set. Most of the time, police departments state agencies will send their best and most professional uh, police officers and investigators because that counterterror mission is so important um, to public safety.
1: There has been some controversy here in the Bay Area with this task force. Not everybody participates, correct?
0: Well, not everybody participates. We have 150 different uh, law enforcement agencies throughout the Bay Area, and certainly um, we could not accommodate all 150, but there are some key uh, areas where we um you know we highly recommend that that certain departments and agencies be part of that that JTTF.
1: And what are you hearing in terms of why they're not?
0: Well certainly I would say resources are the biggest uh, for departments. Every every man counts. Um, And there has to be a will and a recognition on part of that uh, that local department that there is value in having somebody on the JTTF, that it's not good enough in a time of crisis. Um, good enough in a time of crisis that we actually um, try to make contact with that department and resolve an ongoing threat.
1: Our guest today on KCBS in depth is Craig Fair, Deputy Special Agent in Charge of the FBI's San Francisco Field Office with Holly Quan. I'm Jeff Bell.
2: So we've seen CHP at the Golden Gate Bridge. We understand sort of hardening uh targets and, and increasing security, but talk about a, a little bit about cyber terrorism um, it's become so prolific how much of your staff is dedicated to that? Do you have enough white hat hackers to to combat that
0: So our cyber mission as you can imagine is is growing and becoming more and more important, especially these days as it's illustrated uh, through st- state sponsored hacks uh, Yahoo was a good example of that um, the influence of Uh, The Russian Federation, as you're seeing, splashed all over the news these days. So our programs continue to grow, and there's a need for more uh, highly skilled agents and analysts to be uh, working that mission. Um, It's a big enough program for the FBI in San Francisco that we, we have our own standalone cyber program here. And so there's a cyber criminal program that deals with hacking and fraud and and the criminal aspect of that, but we also have a national security mission. Fortunately I can't get too deep into that because uh, the details are are highly classified there.
2: Okay, so is our proximity to the Valley, does that have anything to do with the amount of resources, the the proliferation of this? Do do you focus on it? Does it make sense to have a a larger, I guess, cyber crime um, department here?
0: It does. It does. Because the Silicon Valley gets so important, Um, um, cyber is one vector. Uh, The cyber technique is one vector to do a number uh, of things. Um, Hackers are stealing information, intellectual property rights, um, economic espionage, which is one of our top priorities in the Silicon Valley. but then there's also uh, state-sponsored uh, denial-of-service attacks that can be uh, put across. Cyber is a global. Even though it is global, um, there are local, uh, local issues that we're mitigating on a daily basis
2: here. When you're talking about um, intellectual property, are you talking about like test rockets or toasters?
0: We're talking about any and all information um, uh, that a company owns, um, whether it's original research, um, whether it's technology that they have, have developed. Um, you know, They say that countries don't have enemies, they have interests. And there are, certainly are a lot of interests here uh, and innovations that are appetizing to our foreign adversaries who on a daily basis, whether it's through cyber means or through human means, are trying to steal our secrets and technologies.
2: So, so it's not just um, really high-tech stuff. It could be something as simple as um, products that we might use every day that another country wants to get a leg up on?
0: It could be anything that saves, uh, saves money and time and research and production. Uh, there was a recent case that was adjudicated wherein a uh, foreign national uh, from one of our adversarial countries was uh, stole genetically modified rice, rice. Um, mm. uh, gra- grains of rice. Uh, because it, it uh, took less water to actually, uh, to actually grow. So the same, uh, very similar case where uh, individuals were smuggling corn out of the country because they require less water. And you can imagine uh, growing a crop of, of corn with half as much water. Wow. Okay.
1: Let me ask you about human trafficking. I think it's been really sobering to me as a journalist over the years to see just how much human trafficking activity there is here in the Bay Area. I think a lot of people are surprised by that. What can you tell us about efforts to uh, stay on top of that?
0: As far as human trafficking is concerned, that is, um, that is one of our top priorities. Um, uh, not just stopping it, but working with, with the victims. Um, in the Bay Area, is there is no shortage of business in the human trafficking realm, whether that's prostitution, um, whether that's child pornography. Um, it's a horrific crime, and, and it will continue to remain at the top of our priority list.
1: Are there specific things that uh, the public can be doing to help on that front?
0: Eyes you know, and
1: ears, that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's not just on that front. Um, The FBI can only do so much. We consider um, public safety um, a shared responsibility, and we rely on members of every community that when they see, whether it's bad behavior or some expressed intent um, towards violence, um, whether they're aware of human trafficking or child porn, that they let authorities know. That is really the only way that we can, we can thwart the efforts of those that are, are attempting to compromise our freedoms and our values.
2: I know there's certain things you can't talk about, and I, I grant you that. But maybe you can just sort of take us through maybe your career or things that may have surprised you along the way and, and how maybe that dovetails with ha- the progression of how you've seen um, the FBI's role or, um, or crime sort of progress.
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was hired in 1996 after a couple years after the truck bomb went off in the World Trade Center. And I was brought in under Clinton's uh, terrorism bill uh, during that funding period. Um, Terrorism was a high priority for the FBI at the time. But then there was Uh, 9-11. 9-11 highlighted a number of things for the FBI. One, um, it's highlighted that there was a wall between our criminal processes and our national security processes. What 9-11 legislation after 9-11 did was broke that wall down so that we could use national security information that has historically been classified and could not be used in court. Um, breaking down that wall allowed it to be used so it gave us a greater set of tools in order to disrupt and and terrorist plots and convict uh, terror actors. What it also did was highlight the importance of interagency collaboration. Um, It resulted in formation of the National Counterterrorism Center which co-locates all members of the U.S. intelligence community in information sharing. So the value of information sharing, which I don't want to say wasn't a high priority before 9-11, became an exceptional priority after 9-11. It brought to bear um, multi-agency tools, sharing of information across uh, platforms, because we have to get it right every time.
2: I guess that's something we uh, just assumed. You guys always talk to each other, you know that 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 police talk to the FBI, who talk to um, whoever else you need to talk to. I mean, I I I guess we just assumed that that all the communication was already there.
0: Yeah, I, would, I would have liked, as a, as a member of the public, um, I would have liked to have assumed that, too. But I can tell you now that there are a few agencies. I can't imagine there's an agency out there that doesn't recognize the value of collaboration. And, frankly, we have to have that, whether it's a joint terrorism task force or whether it's something like um, the, our homicide task force that is a joint endeavor with the Oakland Police Department. Currently, that has reduced the homicide rate dramatically. Um, and it's also coupled with that; it has also increased the clearance rate, meaning we're finding out who's committing um, committing those homicides um, 80% of the time these days, and that's a direct result of joint work with, with the Oakland Police Department.
2: And they're the only ones that you're working with in, in the Bay Area, as far as we know.
0: No, that's not true. We have um, we have Safe Streets Task Forces that um, are countering violent gang activity, Contra Costa County. Um, Also in the South Bay, in San Jose, going down through Salinas. And they're highly effective in in disrupting uh, violent gangs and their operations.
1: You talked about needing to prioritize, which certainly makes sense for any field office. Um, How do you prioritize between sort of proactive prevention of things happening and actually tackling ongoing issues? What does that look like, that breakdown?
0: Well, so there's... there's, um, intertwined, right? They're, they're not two separate things. Um, we spend a lot of time talking to members of all communities about our threats. So we'll determine what our top 20 threats are. And there will be agents that are dedicated solely to uh, mitigating those threats. And in the process of doing that, you're out talking to members of the public. That's why it's so important that we have the public trust. Can't afford to have anything that erodes that um, because ultimately that creates a public safety issue. So one, talking to members of the public so that when they do see something, they know to call us and, and let us know that we, we may have a potential uh, problem. Um, the second piece that you mentioned is when there is an ongoing threat, whether there's a kidnapping, where the crime is currently uh, happening and we're currently deploying resources uh, in mitigating that. We're, we, we are reacting to something, um, whether that's a Yonville shooting, which is a good example of that, or even the issue we had last week in, 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 in San Bruno.
1: Yeah, in fact, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That was my next question. I thought that might be sort of instructive for us to, to deconstruct that a little bit, just in terms of the FBI's involvement. As I understand things, you didn't take much of a role in this investigation because it really didn't fall under your jurisdiction. Is that correct? We're talking about the shooting at YouTube.
0: Correct, yeah, the shooting at YouTube. Anytime there's an active shooter event where there is an actual mass killing event or a potential for it, um, we very quickly make contact with that affected local police department to determine a couple things. Is there a federal nexus to that? Um, is there a potential federal crime um, that is being committed? Uh, the second issue that we have to resolve is, it, is it an act of terrorism? for which the FBI has sole authority to investigate. And that's important because we need to make attribution. Was that shooter actually connected to or inspired by a foreign terrorist organization or a domestic terror organization? And are there other actors working in concert with that individual? Is there another person out there very similar to the Tsarnaev brothers? Um, We need to determine if there are other people out there that could potentially advance additional um, additional acts of, of violence. I,
1: I suspect that's a difficult question to answer, especially while something is unfolding like it did in San Bruno with the YouTube shooting.
0: It is. It is a, it, Regardless of how many times you have been through, and I've been through a number of active shooter events, it's an inherently stressful moment because you want to make attribution um, as quickly as possible. So for for us even to get her name and run that through the FBI's information holdings and also the rest of the U.S. intelligence community's holdings, we want to get that name as quickly as possible because that allows us to review social media, see what their online presence is, what they have been saying in the cyber realm and on platforms, and that very quickly helps us resolve whether or not um, we have a potential um, actor, um, uh, terrorist.
1: Our guest today on KCBS In-Depth is Craig Fair, deputy special agent in charge of the FBI San Francisco field office with Holly Kwan. I'm Jeff Bell.
2: You're in charge of a pretty big region from Monterey all the way up the coast to the Oregon border. How how big is the field office? I mean, it sounds like you have like you have 20 priorities. There's a lot to do. Like you said, there there's preventative and then there's ongoing um, I, because there's there's so much mystery about the FBI. I don't even realize how big the office is.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's a great question, Holly, and most people don't, and how, how could they? So we are responsible for the 15 counties along the coast, from Monterey all up to the Oregon, Oregon border. Um, there are about 850 personnel that are currently assigned to our field office, 400 of which are actual special agents that are responsible for all of those, those threat priorities, um, from economic espionage counterintelligence, drugs, violent crime, intellectual property rights, human trafficking. San Fran- our San Francisco office, I think, is unique as an FBI division because all of the programs that we work are huge, and they each require a separate executive manager to manage. We have our own standalone counterintelligence program, a counterterrorism program, um, uh, violent Crimes Program. Each of those has dozens and dozens of agents and professional staff and analysts assigned to working those high-priority threats.
2: Is this one of those um, regions where you want to be, as opposed to maybe another part of the country where they don't have as much um, drug smuggling or human trafficking or cyber crime?
0: That's exactly right. So if you're assigned to the San Francisco division, you're going to have a full docket of cases and you are not going to be bored even in the leanest of times. Every program is huge. Um, All threats are represented in the in the Bay Area, Um, more so than a lot of other areas of the country where they have um, where they have localized threats, where there is an absence of, say, economic espionage or there is no high tech. Industry that is being um, being collected upon by uh, Chinese intelligence or Russian intelligence.
1: Okay, so since we're trying to help the public understand the FBI, I will confess that I watch a lot of TV and movies. What do uh, the TV shows and movies get right, and what do they get wrong about the FBI? You must have some thoughts.
0: Oh wow, yeah, um, and so the popular media, television and movies, they tend to. Tend to sensationalize um, parts of the FBI and what we do because they have to make it look good, sure. right? It's, it, they have to. It's entertainment. They, yeah, they have to do that. I get that. Um, they certainly do not cover the more mundane administrative tasks that we get burdened with <laughs> little paperwork. Does, yeah, that does not make for that. Certainly does not make uh, for good television. I, I will say one one thing um, that uh, television does not portray accurately, and that is. I think that there is a lore and a perception out there that the FBI is this high-hovering agency that has the ability and the authority to spy on people, which could not be further from the truth. Um, we do not have the resources nor the legal authority to uh, whole-cloth spy on, on any members of the community. There has to be a legal predication for us to actually investigate uh, somebody. Um, and so, yeah, legal authority is uh, we're constricted by um, not just the Constitution, we can only do things that are constitutionally permissible, but even the Attorney General's office has provided guidelines um, that limit our investigative tool sets even more. And then internally within the FBI, um, there's even less that we can do. And we've adopted a principle because privacy rights are so important to us. We've adopted a principle of least intrusive means, meaning if there's a way that I can get that information in a least invasive manner, I'm going to do so. I'm not just going to go right to the search warrant. I'm going to find some other less intrusive uh, means. Um, the media never doesn't, doesn't highlight that. And
1: real quickly, I'm so fascinated by FBI profilers. Do they exist? Is that something your field office employs?
0: So uh, we do have a behavioral sciences unit. Um, I will be honest, as what Top Gun did for the Navy, uh, Silence of the Lambs kind of did for me, and others uh, back in the 90s when it, when it came out. We do have a profiling unit at, at, um, at our uh, facility at Quantico, and the majority of field offices actually have profiles. Um, that are indigenous to the, uh, to the agent population.
2: So so is it a hard sell to recruit?
0: No, it's not a hard sell at all. Um, I don't know what the current applicant pool is, but the, the, the stats that I've seen recently is about one out of every hundred applicants actually makes it through the very rigorous screening process uh in order to become an agent. Um and there is certainly no shortage of people applying, thousands of people applying to our analytical and professional uh support cadre.
2: Okay. You've called it a dream job.
0: No, I absolutely is a dream job. There's the attrition rate for the FBI is less than one half of one percent. People just don't leave. Um what we are trying to do um, is we, we need to be a little bit more diverse. And so while we don't have a, a difficult time finding people who want to be an FBI agent or analyst, we are trying to recruit from uh, more diverse uh, parts of the communities. 80% of the special agent cadre is a white male. Um, we've got to do better in, in getting diversity into the FBI. and
1: I sure wish we had more time. Thank you so much uh, for coming in this afternoon and helping us uh, get a better sense of our local FBI field office. Again, our guest today on KCBS In-Depth has been Craig Fair, Deputy Special Agent in Charge of the San Francisco Office of the FBI. With Holly Kwan, I'm Jeff Bell. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program for All News 740 and FM
0: 1069 KCBS.